Hello, hello, hello. It's been a while, but we're finally back to regular newsable programming. Welcome. It's Monday, January 15, and it's a huge date for three reasons. First of all, happy birthday to my sibling, Hazel. Second of all, happy wedding anniversary to my parents. I hope there's not going to be any family group chat disagreements over which one I announced first just then. But anyway, thirdly, on the 15th of January 2001, Wikipedia went live. Imagine where we'd be without that website, the deep dives we would have been deprived of. So January 15 is a great day, and it's also the first day of a big week for, I imagine, quite a few of us. First day back at work for me, getting my feet back under the desk is going to be, you know, an interesting task. But it's also, of course, going to be a big week for Gora's Garaman and the Green Party, because it's understood she'll be back in the country early this week, is what we've been told, when, of course, she'll then face those shoplifting allegations. Police have confirmed they're investigating one incident involving boutique Auckland store Scotties, although it has also been alleged there was a second incident at the same store as well. When more details come to light, we'll be across all of those and bring you the updates as they come. For now, though, kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. The conflict in the Middle East is spreading and fast. So is there any hope of a solution in sight? One Kiwi tourism operator cannot remember a better season. So what's been this summer's secret source? The Kingitanga is holding a rare hui this week to hold the government accountable. We're finding out what to expect from that. Plus the dodgy dental TikTok tips dentists do not want you to try. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. We're barely a couple of weekends into 2024, but the diplomatic efforts to restrict the conflict in the Middle East have continued thick and fast as the conflict in Gaza appears to have well and truly spilled over. The US and the UK have launched airstrikes against Houthi targets in Yemen to counter attacks on shipping in the Suez Canal. And on the back of that, President Biden says America has sent a private message to Iran, who is supporting the Houthis. At the centre of this conflict, of course, is Gaza, where the horrendous statistics continue to grow. Gaza's Ministry of Health estimates 22,835 have died, an estimated 70% of those are women and children. Israel's final count for Hamas's October massacre is 1,139. So to bring us up to date with all of these events, we're joined by Dr. Leon Goldsmith, once again an expert on Middle East conflict at Otago University. Leon, thank you for joining us. Most welcome. Does this escalation with retaliatory hits on Houthi targets in Yemen mean that this conflict involves the whole region now? To a degree, it, it always has. It just depends on the resort to conventional force against various actors in the region by the, the US and UK and allies and so forth. I think that the Al Houthi forces in Yemen, in coordination with Iran, were very keen to draw the UK and just to test the waters in terms of their resolve, in terms of trying to gain leverage in the situation. But there's always been a very tragic region wide game occurring in relation to Gaza. Can you explain who these Houthi forces are and why they've been firing on shipping? Okay, so the Houthis have been controlling the capital of Yemen and Sana'a uh, since the mid-2010s. And they've been fighting against the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen uh, 
since that time. So they are, I wouldn't say a proxy of Iran, but they work in coordination with Iran. They are part of what we would call the axis of resistance, which involves Iran, the Hezbollah party and militia in southern Lebanon, the Syrian regime, various militias in Iraq, and Hamas, of course. So they're working in some kind of coordinations against Israel or anyone that they see as being uh, associated with Israel. How serious is it that the US and UK forces have taken military action? And why is it that this is what's prompted them to take this military action? Well, of course, because this is having a major impact on the entire global economy. So as we know, the the Red Sea, the Suez Canal, Bab el Mandeb Straits, uh, they're the major artery of the global economy. So I think since the beginning of uh, Houthi attacks against shipping uh, in November, uh, I think we've seen a 90% reduction in traffic in the Suez Canal. So this is going to have a huge economic impact, which of course is designed to increase the leverage on the US in the hope that the US will increase leverage on Israel in order to get a good outcome or a ceasefire um, in in Gaza. Mm. And US Secretary of State Antony Blinken spent time with leaders in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the UAE and Turkey. Is this a signal that a plan is coming together or growing? Well, there's, there's a kind of a convergence of interest between Gulf states and the US and Europe to find some solution to this because this is throwing a massive spanner in the works on all the plans of making Saudi Arabia this hub for a future prosperous Middle East. Of course, that vision wasn't shared by others and talking about the axis of resistance who had a different uh, plan. Is there any chance or still a chance to get this situation under control? Some of these talks that have been happening in Al-Ula, in, the, uh, in Saudi Arabia with Blinken and a lot of other leaders. I think that they are seriously considering how they can change strategy. So I think the only real scenario here which we can see a positive short-term outcome is if the Hamas or the Palestinians inside Gaza basically cough up the Hamas leadership plus the hostages and on simultaneously um, that the Israeli population who has genuine contempt for Netanyahu and those right-wing coalition partners. And if they can be purged somehow through elections or through some kind of parliamentary process, I think there's an opportunity for a a greater uh, scope for some kind of uh, compromise to sort of reduce the tensions. Dr Leon Goldsmith, thank you so much for your time and explaining that to us just now. You're most welcome. A senior lecturer at the School of Dentistry in Queensland is pleading for people to ignore the DIY dental tips and tricks that are doing the rounds on TikTok at the moment. And while it seems crazy that anyone would take dental advice from TikTok, obviously some people are. And of course there are so many other things and topics that TikTokers give us advice on, so-called advice on, anyway. So, are you one of those people who take advice from the talk? on things like supplements, dental work, fitness, makeup, head to the Stuff Instagram page. We'll have a poll up. Of course, we'll have a poll up. It's the first show of the year. Find us at NZ Stuff on the gram and get voting. Now, 
I might have chosen to spend my summer break in chillier parts. I was in New York and San Francisco. Definitely very cool, but not at all warm. Uh, however, by and large, the majority of New Zealand has been bathed in lovely sunshine over the holidays. And what a relief that has been for businesses after a tough run. There were, of course, COVID years and then torrential rain brought floods and landslides for many areas around the country last year, with worse to come in the form of Cyclone Gabriel. So in regions like the Coromandel, there are smiles everywhere. Ken Hindmarsh runs Cathedral Cove Cruises out of Fitianga and is also part of the Mercury Bay Business Association. And he's just in from a trip. He's raced home and joins us now. Uh, so tell us how things are going. Have you had a busy summer? Oh, it's just been unbelievable for all the tour operators at the Fitianga Wharf. Uh, we've had the most sensational weather and sea conditions. The international tourists are back. Uh, Kiwis are back. And uh, I think in the first seven, eight days of January this year, I did more tours and more people than I did in the whole of January in 2023. So everybody is smiling up here at the moment, uh, especially on the water. Oh, that's so good to hear. And you say locals and international visitors. Is it a even-even split or is there more of one? I think pre-Christmas it was, for me, I think 80 or 90% internationals. Wow. It's a quite an even, bit more of an even split. I, I think perhaps it's mildly slightly skewed in internationals. But yeah, we're we're just delighted full boats and, and lots of people and not so happy people around town at the moment. And so where are these people visiting us from? It's all over. I had Czech Republic today, I've had Alabama, I've had Florida, I've had New York, I've had all the usual European, Germany, France, Italy. Mexico the other day. Um, It's all over. There seems to be a a real broad spectrum of international visitors at the moment. What an array. And are they saying why they're choosing to come and visit? I mean, we know it's a beautiful country. Have they just read a Um, nice glossy magazine? (laughs) Yeah, I think think we have a a good reputation for our, our scenery. But I also think there may be a little bit of concern over uh, sort of global events in Europe and stuff that might be affecting. The winters in the north are really cold at the moment, so I think a summer in New Zealand is quite appealing. So you said in the first eight days of January, you did more tours than you did the whole of January last year. Does that mean things for you are back to pre-COVID levels? I would say yes for that for me. I, I can't remember a better season than I've had this month since I started in 2013. Third or fourth week of January is always our peak. And I don't think we've had a better one that I can remember. So there's still some more bookings to come. It's not. It's not January 15. Game over. No, I've got uh, something like 23 of 28 days or 29 days, whatever it is this year. Plus, I've got now bookings coming in for 25. Christmas 25 and January 26. Oh, that's awesome, Ken. I'm stoked for you. What about other businesses in the area? What are you hearing through the business association? I'm thinking well, hospo and retail as well. We had a bit of a wander around and a chat with the businesses down here and the general consensus is that it's very, very good. There's a little bit of talk about where people are spending the money. So some of the sort of $300, $500 spends that people might be doing is, is, is a little bit cool, but they're still going out and they're doing things. They're going to the cafes. Most of the shops I went to were pretty positive about how it's gone. Ken, I hope you get a bit of time off between now and February, but I suppose if you don't, it's only a good thing for you and your business. Ken Hindmarsh from Cathedral Cove Cruises, thank you so much for getting us up to speed. 
No problem. Thank you for calling. Ken told us that straight after that interview, he had to rush off to do another cruise uh, for a, a couple where the man was planning to secretly propose. And then he texted us the update. She said yes. I hope you're listening. Congratulations. The dodgy TikTok dental tips are still coming, don't you worry. We're talking about this mostly because I'm just amazed at what these so-called tips are. But hey, in case you haven't already, make sure you chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform to make sure you never miss an episode. Later this week, thousands are expected at a nationwide hui called by Kingitanga to talk through what the coalition government's plans mean for Māori. The gathering will come hard on the heels of Waikato Tainui taking the government to the High Court over its policy to roll back Te Reo Māori in the public sector. And Tauranga-based iwi Nai Te Rangi has also made a claim to the Waitangi Tribunal accusing the government of attacking Māori culture and language. Now, Treaty Negotiations Minister Paul Goldsmith says the government takes treaty matters seriously and will honour existing treaty settlements, but it's not clear if anyone from the government will be at this gathering. So what can be expected from this national hui called by Kingi to Haitia to bring together the many voices of Māori? Well, to explain, we're joined by Staff's political reporter Glenn McConnell. Kia ora, Glenn. Welcome back for 2024. Yoda. Remind us why this hui was called. Yeah, so during the election campaign last year, there was heaps of discussion about co-governance, Māori rights issues. And so when New Zealand First Act and National, who are kind of being most focused on those issues, eventually formed a government, there was real concern amongst quite a few Māori and iwi around what this would mean. So the Kingitanga has called everyone together to discuss how to respond to the new government. And you say everyone. The idea, of course, is to bring together Māori voices. Do we know much about how many iwi have responded to this call? We don't quite know yet. Partly that's because the year's just getting started, and so many iwi haven't had the chance to come together and decide how to respond. But I know today, on Monday, there's going to be quite a few uh, hui across the country, from Ngāti Pirau to Ngāruahine across uh, Te Ikaua Māori, calling together their people to discuss what to do on Saturday at this hui. I also know that quite a few people have already booked buses up to go to this hui. Will there be any politicians on those buses, Glenn? Any others outside Māoridom? There will be plenty of opposition MPs. Uh, Labour leader Chris Hipkins is leading a delegation of most of the uh, party's Māori MPs. The Green Party has a few people going to party. Māori, of course, will be there. But from the government, who knows? It's unclear. I spoke to Shane Jones. He said he was worried this was going to be a bit of a moan fest uh, where people lamented the election result. And so he said he wasn't going because he had other plans. Um, Who knows from the rest of the government if anyone will show up. Do we know what's hoped to come from these discussions? I imagine they don't want it to be a moan fest. No, in fact, the Kingitanga has said um, quite firmly it wants to be solutions focused, uh, looking at the future and bringing in the voices of rangatahi to look quite long-term. But it could go either way, right? You have a bunch of people who are concerned about the government, and if the government isn't there to listen, they could be there organising protests. There's also been a few legal challenges already uh, to oppose what the government is planning to do. Do you think, Glenn, this hui is going to be helpful in terms of finding a way to go forward? I think that will really depend on, does the government show up? Because if it is just people who are worried about the government and they don't feel like they are being heard, 
well, there's not much room for collaboration there, right? It, it is incredibly rare as well to see a hui like this, especially by the kingitanga, which tends to be a little bit out of politics, you know, a little bit regal to be front and centre organising a hui like this. I, I can't recall it happening. Staff political reporter Glenn McConnell, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed and joining us once again. Thank you. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Now, while it seems like anything and everything on TikTok these days has turned into a news story, this trend, I promise, really did stop me in my tracks, and I'm willing to bet money you'll be on the same page as me here, because people are offering up tips to help you save money and DIY your own dental work. Just saying that makes my mouth hurt, and it is as bad as it sounds, and it's so bad that a senior lecturer at the School of Dentistry in Queensland has outlined just how bad some of these tips and tricks are. First up, we have people suggesting you make your own whitening toothpaste using ingredients such as hydrogen peroxide, aka a bleaching agent, aka something that is highly poisonous if you swallow too much of it. It can burn your gums, it can burn your throat, and it can also corrode your teeth. But hey, at least they'll be bleached white, I guess. They'll be beautiful white corroded teeth. Uh, so she says, don't do that, basically. Uh, there's another video posted by a nail technician who appears to be shaving a gap between someone's two front teeth. Unsurprisingly, she also says, don't do that either. While there's a number of things wrong with this concept, first and foremost, once you file, cut or shave any part of your teeth, they don't grow back. Your teeth are going to look like that forever. So they, they just don't do it. To summarise, if you see a dental hack on the talk, just keep scrolling. Don't do it. Don't bother. Because at the end of the day, it's actually going to cost you more to fix whatever problem you tried to fix by doing it DIY at home instead of making that dentist appointment in the first place. Your plan to save some cash will be completely foiled. Anyway, that's News Vault for today. I'm Imogen Wells. I cannot believe we managed to whack an episode together after so many weeks off, but we got there. Thank you for listening, and I'll speak to you soon. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts.